This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. An important decision handed down by the Supreme Court involving the world of retail. The decision, by a 5-4 to four vote, says that states can force online retailers to collect sales tax. And it has a chance to impact retail sales and the advantage that online has had in the last few years. But that part of the story is still yet to be determined. Katya Zaim is an assistant professor of business economics and public policy here at the Wharton School. She joins me in studio to discuss this. And on the phone with us, Mark Cohen, director of retail studies at Columbia Business School and also the former CEO of Sears Canada. And also with us is Richard Pomp, who is a law professor at the University of Connecticut. Katya, nice meeting you. Thank you for joining us today. Glad to be here. Thank you. Mark, Richard, thank you both for your time today. You bet. Sure, pleasure. Thank Th- you. Thank you. Richard, start with you. Uh, take us through the legal side of this and, and why the justices made the, uh, the vote that they did. The, um, without getting too much in the weeds, it all starts in 1967 when someone whose name may be familiar to uh, some of the more mature people in the audience, Archie Cox, who became famous of the Saturday Night Massacre, argued a case called Bellis Hess. And that said that a remote vendor does not have to collect the market state sales tax, the state in which the customer resides, unless there's a physical presence. What does that mean? You have to have people or property in the state. Roll the clock forward to 1992. North Dakota says what an anachronism that case is. Uh, and then they said that even before the Internet in 1992. The Supreme Court gave the states half a loaf. They said, look, Congress can intervene and do something about it, but until and unless Congress does, we are reaffirming the, what we said in 1967. You need a physical presence. It is that physical presence requirement that has been jettisoned yesterday in the Wayfair case. So no longer will the lack of a physical presence protect a remote vendor from having to collect the market state sales tax. Did the, did the decision surprise you at all, Richard? Um, once the Supreme Court agreed to hear the case, it, uh, it was probably predictable that the court was going to overturn the physical presence rule. Usually when the Supreme Court decides to hear a case, it is to overturn lower court cases or its own precedent. Uh, so the smart money was betting on the result in, uh, in Wayfair. Katya, any surprise to you that, that that we have kind of come to this point now where potentially, and again, it's we'll see if it plays out the way we think it might, uh, that we're going to see companies like Amazon, eBay start collecting sales tax in other states? I, to me, it's not that surprising. I, I wasn't sure whether that was a legal matter versus a policy matter to be resolved in Congress, but the decision itself, I think... Um, you know, it depends. It's unclear how big the impact will be, but the fairness aspect to it seems seems reasonably clear to me. Mark? Uh, no surprise. Uh, I, I should point out that Amazon has been collecting sales tax on its own sales for quite some time. 
so no doubt they have been anticipating this uh, harmonization, if you will. I, I'm not a, a lawyer, and I'm certainly not a constitutional uh, scholar, but I'm a little surprised at how the court split um, with Chief Justice Roberts and some of his liberal colleagues um, um, opining that this should have been a congressional case or a, a legislative issue, not a judicial issue. But having said that, the um, the physical presence um, condition is is really completely moot, increasingly so as direct-to-consumer businesses via the Internet become more and more uh, present and continue to grow. Uh, so so th- this really was, in all respects, an inevitability. I doubt this this Congress could ever tackle an issue like this, as they have been a- unable to tackle virtually any kind of an issue uh, lately. And so uh, I guess now we all move on in the retail industry and begin to treat uh, Internet sales as if they were uh, um, legacy brick and mortar. So you don't think that we will see any significant impact sales-wise from this ruling? Well, this is, this is a diversion uh, from a m- macro level. This is a diversion of some percentage of disposable income toward uh, sales taxes. Uh, so, so in that regard, if you're a macro economist, you would have to say, you know, people will buy less merchandise. From a, from a realistic point of view, I don't think this is going to um, um, be noticeable or make any meaningful difference in the uh, performance of the business at large. Because, Katya, I mean, realistically, where we are now in this cycle of retail, people are, I mean, I think they're more concerned about the experience and the ease of buying through the online is comparison to going into the big box store and spending the time in there and not maybe having the experience that they that they would probably like to have anyway. Yeah, I, I think that's right. My my impression is that the big online retailers like Amazon, on their own sales anyway, they are unlikely to be very significantly affected. There's the segment of third-party sellers on Amazon who I think doesn't necessarily always collect sales tax. Um, and so they might see an impact, but they don't quite uh, represent the same magnitude as some of the bigger uh, bigger sites out there. Um, and then, you know, in terms of where the, the sector is going, I think convenience is, has been much more important over time. And that's where the online uh, large uh, large sites like Amazon and Wayfair also have made significant investments already that I think aren't going to really be very affected by the tax collection. Richard, to you, off of something that Mark said, should this be something that and, – and I think – some people would say, you know, this should have probably happened a long time ago. But should this be something now that, that Congress does look at? Um, yeah, a couple of points. Um, all very interesting uh, comments. You know, the stock market reacted uh, quite negatively when the decision came out. Wayfair, Overstock, Etsy, stock all dropped rather surprisingly. Bounced back at the opening uh, because I think... And I, I poll my students every year, and I agree with exactly what uh, Katya said. My students shop out of convenience. You know, they're busy, especially when they become young associates, uh, having to bill 2,000 hours a year. It is convenience. 
Now, they may look for the lowest price, of course, uh, but they're not going into brick and mortar. They're, they're all shopping on the Internet, sometimes at work, much to the consternation of their employers. <laughs> so that's the first point. Second point is, and, and Mark and, and Katya both made this point, it's a very important point. Amazon collects on its own sales. It does not collect, except in states that are passed statutes, it does not collect on the third-party sales made on the Amazon platform, the Walmart platform, eBay. And that's going to be the next frontier here. This case doesn't address that specifically. And third, it's the Chinese. It's the offshore Chinese vendors. They have been protected by the physical presence rule. They are now going to be subject to having to collect the the sales tax. And what are we going to do about enforcing that? Are we going to see a shift now uh, of purchases made not only to the Chinese, but to perhaps what were formerly U.S.-based retailers who now are creating offshore companies? And uh, the case has nothing to say about that either. Will Congress act? There's a possibility that the small and medium-sized vendors uh, will be able to lobby and get some relief from Congress, some clarification. Uh, That remains to be seen. Congress has not shown any real interest in uh, passing anything. The former commissioner of North Dakota uh, who litigated the Quill case is Heidi Heitkamp. She is now yeah. the Democratic senator from North Dakota. She moved a, a, P, a bill through the Senate called the Marketplace Fairness Act, and that never uh, passed the House. So uh, we'll see. It's quite possible that Congress will do something. Mark, your thoughts? Well, uh, <laughs> this Congress doesn't seem to be able to wrap its head around anything constructive. So I'm sure there will be a significant amount of lobbying, looking for clarification, looking for some form of relief. I can only imagine that there will be an industry of, um, of um, providers who will offer small retailers um, analytics, which will enable them to determine the tax that uh, they will be liable for collecting and will provide them with some mechanism for uh, doing just that. So th- 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 this is going to create some, some uh, administrative headaches and some administrative expenses that potentially don't exist today. Well, and, that, and one of the things that Katya and I mentioned before we went on the air, Mark, is the fact that seemingly we see states that are having problems just with tax collection in general. Now you're throwing this on top of that, potentially. It, it doesn't feel like, you know, okay, we have this ruling from the Supreme Court, and states may very well try and put something further in play. The question is whether or not they'll do it the right way. Well, that's, that's if, if, if history proves itself out, they won't do it the right way, yeah. or there'll be tremendous inconsistency in the way in which this is managed. Uh, needless to say, the states are enormously focus, focused on revenue sources, and this is you know, a, a very juicy one at that, one that's uh, not only large today, but will continue to grow. Uh, so, so, you know, it's just more turmoil in the marketplace, but for the most part, uh, to everyone's point, I don't think the consumer is going to be um, 
uh, affected in any meaningful way. I don't think this is going to change the the direction of the tides with respect to the performance of the retail business. Uh, offshore providers, who knows how that's going to be uh, uh, adjudicated. Uh, overshadowing that is the specter of this uh, trade war that could emerge and the issue of the imposition of tariffs. So, you know, I think that may very well take a front seat to this issue in the next uh, 6 to 12 months. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I would totally agree. I think the, the average sales tax burden at the state level is just not significant and much com- uh, enough compared to especially the tariff levels that people are discussing to have as much of an impact. And then I think the only thing I would add is the, the one thing that doesn't seem to have been clarified at all is how localities should be tra- uh, treated and tax rates that localities may, may levy on top of what the state does. Right, because the state will be charging X amount and then the township or the city will be charging on top of that right. 1%, 1.5%, 1.5%, whatever that might be. And yeah. so it's putting together that formula to make sure that, that all parties correct. are covered here, correct? Correct. Yeah, correct. We are joined. You know, go all ahead. All this, Dan, was argued before the Supreme Court. Uh, is there technology? Yes, it does exist. Yeah. Is it cheap? And there you had both sides differing dramatically. Well, it, it may exist, but that doesn't take into account what it, it takes to integrate it with your accounts receivable, accounts payable program, the maintenance of it, all of that. Uh, Justice Kennedy was somewhat optimistic in his opinion. He wrote the, um, the majority opinions. He was optimistic that the private sector would step in and fill this, uh, this niche, and they probably will. There's a number of them that already exist, and and states that are participating in what's called the Streamlined Sales Tax Project, which also Kennedy mentioned in the opinion, provide free software to vendors. So there are these uh, alternatives. They'll probably increase in, in scope. They will build in the local rates. And uh, typically, the the local sales taxes mimic the state sales tax, but not always. It is complicated, to be sure. Uh, No one would deny that. But uh, we probably will see uh, an increase in assistance to small and and middle-sized retailers. And, of course, it will come at a price. So keep in mind one, one other point as a lawyer. This tax is already owed by consumers. The court, despite what you're, you're starting to read on the Internet, um, did not clear the way for a new tax to be imposed. All of us who buy on the Internet sales tax-free owe what's called a use tax mm-hmm. when that good is shipped to us in our home states. So what this case is all about is collecting and a ready-owed tax, but one which most consumers uh, don't pay. So, Mark, going back to something Richard said a second ago about the structural part of this for uh, some of these online retailers, how much of an investment or how much uh, of this is already built into the Amazons, to the Ebays, the, this process of, of factoring in the tax and, and then potentially getting ready to collect it? Well, I think the Amazons are completely prepared for this. Uh, that's um, hand in glove with the fact that they started collecting it some time ago. And 
I would imagine they anticipated that this would be resolved in some way, shape, or form as it has just been resolved, whether it was through uh, the Supreme Court reversing an earlier decision or or some other legislative remedy. So th- th- they're, they're, to them, this is not, in my opinion, this is not um, uh, a complication any more egregious than what they've been dealing with so far. To the smaller vendors, particularly the smaller vendors, uh, this in the short term could be very challenging until they figure out who to partner with or whose um, uh, services to engage or how to administratively manage their affairs. Um, So there's probably a fair amount of uh, head-scratching going on, although even a small vendor, if they have any modicum of uh, common sense, should have been anticipating this likely outcome. Katya, I guess that's the the question for a lot of people is the impact between the bigger online retailers and the smaller ones and how the the impact is felt by the smaller ones and how they deal with it. Yeah, no, I I think that's exactly right about 50% of transactions on Amazon are through third-party sellers. So that's actually a pretty big share. And uh, it's not always as obvious when you're on the site whether it is or not. And so they may actually, in fact, see now have to report basically price increases. And so there may be a response to them. Uh, but, you know, nevertheless, I, I, I think I want to go back to just uh, the point that I think when you buy on Amazon, price is not the only thing you're shopping sure. about. Yeah. And, and so I think consumers are actually relatively inelastic, especially on that particular site. So it's unclear to me that the impact will be as significant. Is that a little bit of a change of mindset, for, especially here in the United States, from where we are now compared to what we were 10 years ago? Because if you go back to the time of the recession, th- there were a lot of people that obviously were concerned about right. that. They, right. you know, The wallets have gotten a little bit bigger in the last couple right. of years. No, I think that's right. And I think the, the other thing that especially Amazon has really been able to build up is an initial destination for a shopper right. to go and look for products. And so people are actually really quite locked into the, the platform in ways that they weren't when, when they were much smaller. So will the big brands, Mark, get bigger potentially, marginally because of this? Well, the big brands are getting bigger without regard to this change in tax. Uh, the, the fact is that Amazon's created an environment where uh, everyday low pricing is the norm for many, if not most, things that are, are, are sold through e-commerce, as opposed to the episodic high-low uh, madness that is legacy-based, which is what uh, Kohl's and Macy's still rely upon. So the consumers shift away from a... Um, a ruthless focus on the actual price uh, is now um, distributed across, to everyone's point, convenience, availability, um, um, access, uh, with a presumption that prices are pretty much at a reasonably uh, everyday level, regardless as to who they're doing business with. Their focus is shifted to uh, shipping costs, both inbound and return shipping uh, and shipping policies or return policies, if you will. So, so the, the focus of 10 and 15 years ago, which was ruthlessly based upon price, has now moved away from just that. Um, there are some voices out there that suggest that this is going to impact business 
Um, I don't think so. What does this mean in the in the scope, Mark? Uh, and we've talked with you about this of Amazon versus Walmart and, and those two entities specifically. Well, as we've talked in the past, Amazon is a marketplace, and Amazon is continually expanding the breadth and depth of their uh, coverage, their offer, and their consumer base through Amazon Prime and their expansion globally. Whereas Walmart is a store, and there's a fundamental difference between the two enterprises. Uh, I've been very critical of Walmart trying to chase Amazon uh, because, in fact, it's not a horse race that the two um, really can run side by side. And I think the investments that Walmart has been making in chasing uh, Amazon is going to turn out badly. Uh, the the marketplace that Amazon has created is not just Amazon. It's all of the e-commerce businesses that have come in the wake of Amazon um, that are lighting up all over the world and are doing an incredible amount of incremental business each year. Is so, ri- I'm sorry. Finish up. I'm sorry. So so, so th- this 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 trend in consumer behavior is in full swing, and there's no reason to believe uh, this disruption that's going on is going to abate anytime soon. Richard, when we're you know a couple years down the road from this, is there a potential impact that you see from this decision, or maybe there isn't that much of one in your mind? Well, uh, just to pick up on something Mark said, people have talked about how this decision is going to create barriers uh, to entry for the small and middle-sized vendors uh, and further entrench the position of the big boys. Uh, And that's probably not going to happen. I think what we will see is that Amazon will start collecting on behalf of the third-party vendors the sales tax, uh, and of course impose a a commission for doing so, so that this is really going to create another profit center for for Amazon. Um, That's what's most likely to happen. Secondly, the the opinion is not a blank check for the states to go wild and do whatever they they want. The court clearly was impressed. South Dakota had a $100,000 sales requirement as a threshold, I'm sorry, yeah, 100000 or 200 transactions as a threshold. Uh, it also said we're not going to apply this law retroactively, and we are participating in the Streamlined Sales Tax Project, which means we are committed to simplify, simplifying our sales tax. Right, right. And the court in, in mentioned that and seemed to endorse it. So I think what we're likely to see is that states that have not already adopted somewhat similar statutes to South Dakota will mimic South Dakota's right. because you know it's safe. You know, why why invite litigation? Right. Uh, now, $100,000 isn't that much. 200 transactions isn't that much, but it's enough to at least protect some of the smaller uh, vendors. So I, I think I agree with 
uh, Mark and Katya, I think in the long term, we're not really yep. going to see much of an impact. Thank so. you. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Mark, for joining us on the phone. All the best to you both. Katya, nice meeting you. Thank you for coming in as well. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. 